You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Empire. Play Fantasy Baseball Show with D. Mindy. Little Cheesecake and Doc starts now. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Empire and the Empire Media Network. A different voice behind the hum mic today. It's Doc, and it's just me, myself, and I. You guys can't see the graphics. I'm looking around. No D. Mendy, he's on his honeymoon. You wouldn't even know by how much he's been on his phone. And we have a special dessert coming back next week for our 100th episode. But it's by myself hosting, just the news and notes today. We're going to have a great show talking about our TGFBI first year experiences with Marty Tallman of Triple Play Fantasy, co-host Between the Seams, and Jacob Eason from FOV Sports. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After that, we're going to go to our bullpen of the... Our bullpen for the question of the week, which hitter that isn't Shohei Otani would be the best on the other side of the ball? And then we will have our game of the week revealed at the end of the week or at the end of the show. But we're going to talk some news and notes. And the first little bit of news, Derek Jeter enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I don't think this comes as a surprise to anyone. Jeter spent his entire 20-year career with the New York Yankees and had 3,465 hits. 260 home runs, arguably the most iconic Yankee, one of the most iconic Yankees in team history. I think well-deserved, even Red Sox fans saying that. So congrats to Mr. Jeter. Next little bit of news, staying with the Yankees, Garrett Cole was pulled from his recent start with left hamstring tightness. He's not scheduled right now to undergo an MRI, so hopefully he can make his next start. As we're winding down towards the end of the season, the Yankees are fighting for a wild card spot, so they will definitely need Mr. Cole to be healthy. Next little bit of news and notes, staying with the injury bug. Eloy Jimenez has a significant bone bruise in his right knee after getting hit with a foul ball in the visitor's dugout. It's an injury you don't hear about every day. Now, right now he's currently listed as day-to-day, although manager Tony Larusa did say that is a deep bone bruise. Hopefully, Jimenez does not need an IL stint. He had missed the first four months and change of the season recovering from a left-torn pectoral muscle. For those that don't remember, he tore that trying to rob a home run in spring training, one of the more boneheaded plays we've seen. Next little bit of news and notes, Marcelo Zuna agreed to a pre-trial diversion program that could lead to dismissal of his domestic violent case. Ozuna would have a six-month supervision, which could be reduced to three months and undergo a 24-week family violence intervention program. 
While the criminal charges may be dropped, Ozuna could still face a lengthy suspension from the MLB. I think I speak for Cheesecake, David, and myself. If these allegations are true, even if the criminal charges are dropped, that Ozuna should not have a future in Major League Baseball. I think that sets a very poor example that if you can play a sport well, that you're exempt from the rules that society has to face. And hopefully this is a lesson learned to him that he should never commit a crime like this the rest of his life. Staying with the serious news, Mets suspended acting general manager Zach Scott, who was arrested last week while driving intoxicated. A twist to this story was that he was coming from Sandy Alderson's house. Now, he is on administrative leave while the investigation plays out. The Mets have no further comments, saying it is a criminal pace, and we are going to let that charge proceed. However, um, the higher-ups deem it out. Once again, I, I think anyone that is listening to this, there is no room for drinking and driving, and it's a shame that adults who have known better for a while can't follow the same rules. There's Uber and Lyft out there. You're the general manager of a Major League Baseball team. You probably will have people lining up wanting to drive you places. And the last little bit of news and notes, once again, staying somber. Zach Britton is undergoing Tommy John surgery. He had left elbow soreness. Um, probably explains why he was not doing well in the closer role and took himself out of it. He is most likely out the 2022 season, obviously out the rest of this year. Uh, hopefully he makes a full recovery and is a somewhat of picture of what he was in the 2023 season. We're not all here to talk bad news because if you liked hearing me host, make sure you never miss a podcast by clicking that subscribe button wherever you get your triple play content. Spotify, Anchor, Apple Pod. Make sure you follow us on the socials at Play Fantasy. I do a great job running social media and David isn't here to put me down. But we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. We have a lot of great sub-series between the seams with Marty and Mac, Coach's Corner, Movie Minutes. The list goes on and on. I've even done a couple videos myself, and we got Michael Govier contributing some content as well, one of the most entertaining guys in the industry. Once again, make sure you follow us on the socials because I want us to get a huge following in the week that David is out. I'd love to rub it in his face. Now, you know that feeling when you see that you climb up in the TGFBI standings? Maybe you get within the top 50, the top 25, the top 10. Maybe you were even number one at some point. That's the feeling we want to provide. Thank you to everybody that has listened to us each and every week. If you're listening to the podcast version, we got to pay the bills. And then we will be going to our TGFBI year one with Marty Tallman and Jacob Eason. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. We are live. There is a 
handsome man in the middle of that photo, at least Marty and I think so, Lance Lynn, the guy that we all love. And if you didn't see it, you see it again. Look, there's a lot of things that we don't have in common here. Marty, Jordan, myself. The one thing that we do have in common, it's our first year in TGFBI. But I want to introduce these gentlemen properly. And the first one is we welcome in a man of triple play fantasy who is making his third appearance on here. Now, this man has been touring a lot around L.A., skateboarding, eating some good food, an ambassador of afternoon baseball, the co-host of Between the Scenes with Marty and Mac. I don't know his height, but we welcome in Marty Tallman. What's going on, Marty? As always, you guys have the best introductions in the business, so I'm doing very well. Thank you. And to answer the question that everyone asks me once they hear my last name, which is Tallman, it is, the answer is 5'11". So almost six feet tall. I say that when I wake up every morning, I'm six feet, and then gravity takes me down to about 5'11 by the end of the day. I was going to say, you know, 5'11 is one of those things, like on the apps, like especially the dating apps, where you just just round up. You're tall tall compared to me. (laughs) But... The other guy on my right, we welcome in a guy who's ahead of the curve, a contributor for Roto Baller. He might be the youngest member of TGFBI, but he's here to school us today. The founder of Field Division Sports, F-O-V till I-D-I-E. We welcome in Jordan Eisen. What's going on? Hey, guys. Yeah, I've heard a lot about your intros. Uh, I mean, every time I listen to one of your episodes, I hear them, obviously. It feels good to have one for myself now. Yeah. And uh, Jordan, you know, appreciate you coming on. This is your first time. You know, David and I had the pleasure of being on the FOV um, podcast as well. Uh, great stuff to there to check out. And fellas, we lost our TGFBI virginity. We can say that. And True. I don't know about the rest of you guys, but I've thoroughly enjoyed my first year. And shout out to Justin Mason for putting this together. Absolutely. You know, it's a lot of work that doesn't get the credit that it deserves. And um, I've, you know, I'm a big fantasy baseball guy and it's just been addicting the whole Mm -hmm. process. And since this is all of our first years together, we're going to talk about our experiences and lessons for next year. We're talking baseball. I know football is tonight, but we're here to dive in first year TGFBI. So the first thing is, What pick did you have? And Marty, I want to start with you. And who are some notable names in your league? All right, absolutely. And before I do that, Jordan, actually, you and I may have been, were we on the panel together for TGFBI before this started? I mean, I was on Potapalooza. um, Yeah, yeah. I don't don't remember you being there. Okay. Maybe I'm just forgetting. Maybe it might have been the second. I was on the the board with the second youngest person. So, um, Oh, Daniel Rotter. That... Boom. That's who it is. Just kidding, Jordan. Anyway, uh, back to my TGFBI experience. And yes, uh, first off, Justin Mason. Yeah, number one, we'll start there. Thank you for putting it on. Um, For all of us fantasy baseball dorks, it's like, you know, it's like the Super Bowl, but it lasts for like six months. So it's actually pretty amazing. Um, And for uh, my, I was in the 20, yeah, 28th league or league 28. And I had the 12th pick of the draft. So, um, started pretty late. I, I was hoping, I just didn't want 10, 11, or 12. You know, or no, uh, yeah. Is that taking a shot at me who had 10? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the only ones I didn't want. But as far as my league, it was actually, um, it was pretty stacked. Uh, Chris Blessing from Baseball HQ, uh, Will Garofalo from Pitcher List, 
uh, Mike Mahar from Fantasy Pros, Pierre uh, Camus, I think that's how you say it, uh, but he's the lead writer and editor for Rotoballer. But most importantly, we had the man, the myth, the legend these days, Mr. Tanner Bell, a.k.a. Ooh. at Smart Fantasy BB. He co-wrote the book The Process with Jeff Zimmerman. He's currently sitting, not any spoiler alert, but he's currently sitting number one overall. Wow. Wow. Holding up to that name. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a baller. So, um, yeah, league 28 showing out with, with the number one, but I'm number two in my league and I'll take that. Okay. What are you overall? Um, yeah, you know, I'm number two in my league, dude. It's fine. Don't, you know, it doesn't really matter what that number is. Uh, no, <laughs> one, <laughs> at, at one point it was a lot better, but now it's 107. Oh, yeah. You were in the top 30 for a while. Yeah. Well, top 14, but whatever. I don't care. It's fine. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, look, anytime you could be in top 14 or top 15 and, there's 450 people. You know you're doing something right at some point. Jordan, what about you? What pick were you and who were some notable names in your league? Yeah, so I was pick number eight. I grabbed Trey Turner there. Um, and yeah, I just want to say thank you to Justin Mason. Uh, really cool guy. I've gotten to talk with him quite a bit. Um, and it's always fun to talk to uh, Justin. But as for who's in my league, honestly, I I, I've been trying to familiarize myself with the fantasy industry, and I definitely know quite a few names. Um, but coming into TGFBI, the only one in my league that I recognized was Scott Pianowski. Scott's I said good. it's Scott Pianowski, so pretty big deal there. But uh, we've also got Casey Varner, Ed Dicaria, uh Edwin Turnage. There's a lot of guys, um, and I mean, I've gotten to know them, and now I definitely know all their names uh all also alex chamberlain can't forget him oh yeah um, he's he's good I, we yeah has got some good people in your league wait till i tell you mine yeah I, I i'm very happy with mine um it's been a really fun experience well, that's awesome to hear and, and i think the most important thing is having fun you know there's obviously bragging rights but it's not like you're putting up money for this i had a stacked league with a lot of people that have been on our pod casey bubba Carlos Marcano, our good friend, Doug Ishikawa, Ryan Bloomfield, Zach Waxman. I had 10th pick. That's a who's and, who, man. Yeah, and to be honest, I didn't know that you could have a pick preference. So, Marty, I totally would have gotten out of that 10th pick. Um, I did, and it's, it didn't matter. The Kentucky Duper style still got me. So, Yeah, it, it's something that, and, and as we talk about our lessons and experiences for next year, that's something we definitely want to touch on. Now, Jake, Jordan, I'm sorry, Jordan. I want to go back to you because you had mentioned that you took Trey Turner for your first pick. So this is a kind of two-in-one right here. We got our good friend Mike Carter checking in. What's up, guys? Mike. Mike, 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 wish you were in my league. We would have had a lot of smack talk between us. But, Jordan, I kind of wanted to ask you these two-parters. One, give me some of your best and worst picks. All right. So there definitely are some, like, decent picks. But other than those decent picks, basically all of my picks were my worst picks. It was a really terrible draft. Um, I felt <laughs> decent about it, decent about it once it was done. But like, I have the likes of like Luis Castillo, Carlos Carrasco, Steven Strasburg. Those Ooh. were three of my picks. Um, <laughs> Jesus Lazaro is here. My whole starting pitching was just decimated. Like after a month or two, I had like a six ERA and I just could not come back from that. Uh, my closers were Joaquin Soria, Amir Garrett, Sean Doolittle, and um, uh, Will Smith too. Will Smith and Jordan Romano have stuck on my team the whole season. 
They're some of the only ones. But I did have some decent picks that I do want to kind of toot my own horn about. That's what uh, this is I, for. Yeah. I grabbed Max Muncy. I was really high on him Great coming into the season. And glad I got him there. Uh, Herman Marquez, I got really late. I was surprised how late I got him. And, I mean, it's definitely been a bumpy ride. And he hasn't fully contributed purely good stats to my team. But where I got him, I'm happy. He was, he's probably been my, I guess, Luis Castillo. But he's been my second best pitcher. So that's more about who else I have on my team. But it worked out. Um, I also grabbed Justin Turner really late. I like that pick. Uh, I'm just scrolling through. And then really late, like the pick after uh, like Joey Wendell, Jake Diekman, Chris Archer was picked. I was just like, eh, and I grabbed Jordan Romano because Kirby Yates wasn't injured yet. Um, and I just thought that Jordan Romano, maybe he could take over. He was really good in 2020. Um, and then Kirby Yates, like the day after I took Romano, He's definitely been a very big fixture on my team. So, Jordan, let me ask you, what was your strategy? Did you have a hitter-heavy, a pitcher-heavy approach? Did you try to mix it up? So something that I wanted to do in all of my leagues and kind of started as I was doing TGFBI, um, I wanted to get my steals early and starting pitching early as well, and then some sort of DH at some point who would boost me in batting gap or um, and then just fill in the rest of the hitting categories later on. Do that. Uh, so my first picks were Trey Turner steals, Luis Castillo pitcher, Al Tucker steals, uh, Carlo pitcher, Steven Strasburg pitcher, Alvarez DH. So that went well. Like when it was happening, of course, Carrasco and Strasburg did not work out at all. For the first couple of months, Luis Castillo looked terrible. I didn't drop him, which I'm very thankful for. Um, but I did execute that strategy pretty well, I think. And then another part of it was I wanted Max Muncy to kind of like free up the loss that I took in position flexibility from taking a TH. So I think I, I had the right process. Just the results were terrible. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that's, that's a big thing is, you know, everybody has their strategy and the results won't always be there, but you stick to the process and the methods of how you evaluate these players. Mr. Six Foot on a good day. You must have had some pretty good picks to be yeah. number 14 at one time. So let me hear some of your hits. Let me hear some of your misses and then the strategy of which you drafted. All right. So um, we'll start off with my number one pick. So it was Trevor Story. And at the time, to get him with the 12th pick of the draft, I like that because, and you know, Jordan already alluded to it, the gold is really for me in the first five, six rounds is to get elite pitching and um, players that are going to be able to hit 20 plus home runs, keep a good batting average and also get your 20 steals. So if I can get that, you know, in the first couple, that's what I'm going to be going for. Uh, I'm going to start with my best pick of the draft and about halfway through the season it was Spencer Turnbull. Ooh, I got him in the 24th round. He was actually doing really well for me all the way back there. Uh, eventually, as you know, he got hurt the rest of the season. So, you know, um, that that was pretty. That was, that was the beginning of the end, as they say. Um, I also really like the Jesus Aguilar, who I got in the 25th round. He's currently second in the end now in the NL and RBI. So I like getting them all the way back there. But my best pick had to be Avisal Garcia. 
So got him in the 27th round, third to last round, so basically free. He's batting 266 with 25 home runs, 79 RBIs, and seven steals. I was doing some digging around here, and he is only he's one of 13 players that have 25 home runs and at least seven stolen bases. So wow. all the way back there, I will take it. Transitioning to my bad pick. So number one, I made my second round pick was a mistake. Aaron Nola. I, wait, wait, wait. Is, is Aaron Nola the most Jekyll and Hyde pitcher this year? Like he is, uh, he has overtaken Herman Marquez as the most mm. stressful pitcher to own. Like he'll Except throw he a complete hasn't even game. Really been good. He'll, he'll throw a complete game shutout and then yep. get uh, against like a, a team like the Cardinals and then get bombed for like seven runs against the Rangers. I don't understand it. I know. And coming into the season, I had him ranked in front of Lucas Giolito. Um, you know, I can't blame you. I was high on Nola as well. So, yeah. So starting there, Aaron Nola, and mostly because, I mean, Walker Bueller still on the board, Brandon Woodruff still on the board. So I know it's like Monday morning quarterback or whatever, but you know, um, it's just, it's hard to look at that. Um, and then who was some other bad picks here as we roll through? I don't know. That, that one just hurt the, the absolute most. So I'll just stick with, with Aaron Nola. Now, now, what was your strategy? You said you went Trevor Story first round. You went Aaron Nola second round. So were you trying to split it between hitting and pitching? Was it kind of best player available? Yeah. So coming into the draft, I had the idea that I wanted to really get as many starting pitchers and um, a, a, an elite reliever, you know, within the te- first 10 picks. So that was my goal. And, but I ended up being actually just pretty balanced. So in the first 10 rounds, I drafted five pitchers. Two of them were closers. And then in the first 15 rounds, I had 13 pitchers. So, um, yeah, I split it. Okay. All right. I, I like it. And, and some good balance. You know, it's funny. I didn't like my team coming out of TGFBI and I started very, very slow. And I, I hit on some really good picks that performed later in the season. Marty, I got to give a shout out to our guy, Lance Lynn. Got yep. him in the fourth. I got Marcus Simeon in the eighth, who has just Ooh, been killing it. One. I got um, Lynn in the fourth as well. Goldschmidt has kind of been turning up. I took him instead of um, Vlad, which has hurt most of the season. Fortunately, Goldie has given some steals. I took Cedric Mullins in the 27th round. That's oh, the O's yeah. bias. That's that's living, that's living two-minute walk from the stadium. <laughs> and Adam Wainwright in the 29th round. But I cut Wainwright one week oh. into the season. So I, I'm looking at myself. I'm like, wow, I actually had a great last, like, Five ten rounds, <laughs> yeah, and that's what's really propelled me. Because I, look, I'm going to call a spade a spade. I missed on a lot of my early picks. I took Zach Plesac in the fifth over Zach Wheeler. I went against my gut. Me, David, and mm-hmm. Cheesecake were in a group chat, and they're like, "Oh, but please, but Plesac fell." Like you go with your gut, but we take Plesac. I was like, "Okay, it's a bad pick there." I took Travis Diarnode in the ninth round. I know it's a two catcher league, um, but I, I think. That's something where I was really high just because of the Braves lineup and not because of how he's performed. And Alex Kirilov in the 14th. Now, I know he, he hurt his wrist and injuries you can't foresee, but Carlos Mercado was behind me and I just wanted to snipe him. You guys ever do that sometimes where you take someone because you know somebody else wants him and you don't even really want him that much? Yeah, and I think that yeah. happens a lot, especially when you're home leagues, because you know everybody, you know what they, mm-hmm. they want to get, and so you might, you know, uh, overdraft. As of right now, and this is going to be going on probably for until Lance Lynn is done, but 
I think this may be the last time I get Lynn in the fourth round. I think I think those <laughs> days are done. Yeah, yeah, and it, especially how he's looked this year. I mean, he's definitely going up higher. My strategy, look, my first pick was Christian Yelich, and it was between him and Jose Ramirez, and that looks like the wrong pick for sure. But I wanted somebody that I felt like could contribute in all categories, and I think Christian Yelich was probably one of the biggest question marks. Had an awful year last year, the year before. Had an MVP caliber season. Somebody that could provide 30-plus home runs, 25-plus stolen bases, give you some batting average. I mean, I really expected the Brewers to take a step up, and they have this year. They're most likely going to win the NL Central, but a lot of it is on the backs of their pitching. Um, yeah, and I want to ask you, are you are you in on him next year, Yelich? Christian Yelich? Are you completely done with him? Uh, I'm not done with him. What's but I'm his not ADP, spending- though? I'm not, I'm not spending a top, like a, a first two round pick on him. If I can get him in no. the third, um, I, I think that's good value there because he's still relatively young, but I can't spend an early round pick on him. Like it's, it's kind of the same thing with Cody Bellinger where you're chasing the memories of what they were a year or two ago. But with past we've seen in the year and a half sample size between this and the 60 game season last. I don't think you can justify an early pick on them anymore. Yep. And I think it's going to be through each league. There's going to be at least one guy who's going to be like looking at Cody Bellinger in the fourth, third round, and they're going to take him every time. And that's not mm-hmm. going to be me. Yeah. Last, and it, last, last night I went to Cardinals game versus the Dodgers. And I didn't realize this. Cody Bellinger's OBP is worse than Albert Pujols average. Yeah. So there, bad. There, wow. There's a funny meme going around. It's like, the Dodgers have no holes in their lineup and it's Cody Bellinger and it's just like this huge like crater deep hole. And yeah. it, it's it's really unfortunate because I mean this was a guy that pretty wild. Like two years ago, I i I think he was second to Yelich in MVP, but hit like four hundred for the first month. And look, my strategy was similar to you guys. I figured with the pitching we saw with, you know, studs like Verlander and Strasburg. And blanking on a couple others that had serious injuries ramping their arms up in the shortened season. Yeah, Syndergaard. Yeah, Syndergaard that you needed to build pitching. So two out of my first or three out of my first five pitches, I went Flaherty, Lynn, and Plesak, thinking, okay, I can then push pitching on to the later rounds. Um, and it's just kind of interesting. I know the Toby Batflip crazy strategy of pocket aces. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people followed this year as well. They but, did, and really quickly on that, uh, Tanner Bell, who's number one overall, he did pocket aces. But listen to this. Although he did that, one of his pitchers was uh, Shane Bieber. So he's pretty much operated without his best pitcher all year, and his fifth-round pick was Marcelo Zuna. Ooh. Okay. So, so wait, who, who, did, who, did he go, who did he go Who did he go? the other pocket ace with? Um, Brandon Woodruff. Oh, okay. Okay, yep. he pretty well. And he probably hit well in the later rounds. Would have loved to have him on. Yeah. It's probably not his first year, though, if he's number one overall. <laughs> no, he co-wrote the book, The Process. So you bet your ass I will be reading that in the offseason. You're right. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust that. And uh, But I, I want to talk about different pitchers now, and I want to talk about closers. And, Marty, I want to start with you on this. Did you get pitchers early? Did you wait later? What was your approach? Because I know a lot of people, they chase saves like they do with steals. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, getting an elite closer was a top priority. So um, I got Chapman in the fifth round. Uh, For the first two, three months, that looked really good, right? And then we all know what happened. So he completely demolished my ERA. He gave up 18 runs within a few-week span, which is 
pretty wild to see. Um, it would have been worse if he didn't get that triple play against the athletics. And I know yep. you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, absolutely. So you, you, um, you'd probably be from like 102 to like 114. I know it would, it, it would be a huge, it, it would have been even worse. Um, so, so Chapman, I, I still liked where, you know, when you look back at it, you know, I would have probably still taken him there, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, the fall that he had this year was pretty brutal. And then in the 10th round, I got Brad Hand. So, guessed wrong. Had him on the Mets now, middling reliever who's having a terrible year. All of the signs of his arm declining were there, and I saw that. But I thought the role – I thought Washington would be better. You know, and I didn't think they would be – I didn't think they would literally sell everybody but Soto. So, um, those – making the decision to have Chapman in the fifth and Hand in the tenth made sure that I wasn't going to have an elite team down the stretch with all of the relievers in the back end who have given you 20-plus saves. Now, let me ask you, because you took a couple closers early, did you try to get it set up men later that you thought had some chance? You know, the Emilio Pagans, I know Drew Pomeranz, like obviously Melanson is the closer, but I think before the season started, the Padres hadn't announced that, hey, somebody's going to be our guy. Did you try to take a flyer? You know what, and and that's actually something when we go over strategy, that's something I'm going to be a lot more in tune with. You know, uh, not only the handcuffs, you know, if you want to use that football term on this day um, of your be- of the best closers, but also just, you know, when they say there's two, three people in the mix, you know, maybe taking the second best guy in the 25th round. Um, I think that's going to be – that's what's enabled a lot of the best players to do really well this year is to have those already on the roster on the back end so they could focus on their hitting throughout while they were streaming instead of wasting all of their fab. And we'll get into that later, but, you know, Spending a lot of fab chasing saves can kill you. No, that's certainly true. And uh, anyone that spent a lot of money on Julian Merriweather and didn't even get a save out of him, yeah. they're probably hearing this. And there, I think it was two hundred and thirteen dollars oh, off the top of my head. Oh man, yeah, I think he went for like two fifty in mine as well. Um, and, and you know, what's crazy is, like I said, they didn't get a single save out of him. They blew no, I did court. not. No, he they, was on they the blew- IL before I blinked. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you spend like close to twenty percent of your budget. I, Probably at the minimum, and you didn't even get any production out of him. Jordan, what about you with closers? What was your strategy? Okay, so I want to preface this by saying closers were definitely my weak spot. I've only really played in like 10 or 12 team leagues, just roto with like somewhat like, but I could usually find saves on the waiver wire, and I knew that was not going to be the case for TGFBI, so I was kind of at a loss of what to do. Um, I felt confident that I could still kind of wait on closers, maybe get, like, one guy in the top, like, 12 rounds. I was kind of counting on uh, Trevor Rosenthal or Kirby Yates, and I I was about to pick Trevor Rosenthal in the ninth round. I went with Dom Smith because Dom Smith was, like, my favorite player at the time. Um, And then Rosenthal went with the next pick. And then Kirby Yates went like a few picks later. And then I really wanted Cabrian Hayes. And then he went the pick before mine. And I was so upset. Um, and I spent like two and a half hours just staring at my screen, debating if I should take Trey Mancini or Will Smith. And this was a huge reach for Will Smith, but I really liked him and I really needed a closer. Um, and I ended up going Will Smith. Which, after the draft, was my biggest regret. But now, in hindsight, it's like one of my best picks. 
Um, so that's just a really weird event that occurred. Um, and then I waited a long time, racked up a bunch of bats. I think that was the right call. I got like Justin Turner, D.D. Gregorius, James McCann in that territory. Of course, those guys didn't all work out, but uh, I think if I just had pivoted to different uh, bats instead, like A.J. Pollock was in that range. There are a few guys that you can definitely pick out and would have made me look really good. I just picked the wrong ones. Um, and then I took Joaquin Soria and Amir Garrett as my second and third closers. And then later I just grabbed some guys that are like, and eh, maybe they'll do something. I grabbed Sean Doolittle in 24th. Obviously he was like an immediate drop. Um, and then I grabbed Jordan Romano in 27th. No reason. I just think, thought he was a good pitcher. Clearly that worked out. Um, he still doesn't have like that many saves, but he's, been and one of my only good pitchers so i'll take it yeah and marty i well i was gonna say jordan i I like the process that you had with that you know i I think sometimes you can't go wrong picking a player that you like you know just because of personal bias there's obviously we look back and it's hindsight but you never know how it's going to be you know whether injuries or just performance plays out marty i'm with you i took brad hand and one of the things that i looked at for closers is their contracts for the Nationals, they gave Brad a one-year, $10.5 million contract. They're not going to have him in the setup role for that. Now, yep. obviously, the Nationals, the Nationals haven't performed. And, and the metrics, you're right, they did look bad. Um, but he gave you a good amount of saves at the beginning of the year. Yep. So, you well, know, he, he was one of the leaders at some point. Yeah. And, and, and the strikeouts weren't there. And, and, you know, being a Nationals fan and watching the games, they certainly were a little bit stressful. I also went with Will Smith. He signed a three-year, $40 million contract with the Braves. And them being one of the front runners to come out of the NL, especially playing in a weak NL East, figured the Marlins weren't going to contend. As a Nationals fan, I knew they weren't going to be that good this year. The Mets always met. I figured that he was going to have a lot of save opportunities. And then I just took a lot of flyers later. I took the Emilio Pagans. I took uh, Chad Green. Um, You know, I, I figured with Chapman, he always goes on the IL at some point, and I know that Zach Britton was starting the year out on the IL. I actually thought that he was going to get some save opportunities. I ended up having to spend more on him in Fab because I dropped him the week before Chapman went on IL. I was like, "No, I have to get him back." So <laughs> I don't know also, I I don't know when you what pace your drafts went up, but uh, mine, a role this Chapman actually no. In all leagues, Aroldis Chapman was suspended for a first It was like, you can start uh, Chad Green for that first week and maybe pick up a couple saves and then just drop him. So maybe it was something like that for you. And I mean, clearly that didn't work out. Yeah, you know, it's just, once again, it's the learning experience. You know, and once again, it's speculation. If you can get a cheap source of saves in the 20th round or, you know, in the last couple rounds, why not? You know, it's a dart throw at that point. The first week of Fab, you're probably, those are the most likely cut candidates. But speaking of that, I want to talk about your strategy with Fab. Because for a lot of us, it's a very new concept of having a budget and deciding how much you want to spend, seeing how others. So Marty, walk me through your process of your first year having a budget with Fab. Yeah, so um, my first thing that I like to do is just kind of just see, like, be on Twitter, see what Vlad Sadler has to say. You know, he does a really Jeff good Zimmerman job. Jeff Zimmerman as well. Jeff, Jeff Zimmerman, Zimmerman does a really good job. Article. 
Yep, those two. Um, so I, I look to them um, for just for guidance and kind of getting a better idea of the player pool. And I would suggest from even your novice players to the best players, they all do it. So make sure you know you check in on that. Um, the strategy was, and what I felt like I was doing is I was just trying to keep up. So I kind of went uh, already into. I spent a lot of money on saves, man. Blew a lot of money on it, and I would say probably oh, made a rain. Oh, a lot of money. Whole oh, lot of it. A lot of money. So um, I wouldn't recommend the, the, the chase saves and that comes with building your draft. It, what I'm going to do um, at the back end of my drafts now is try to load up on those, you know, maybe the second tier closers, third tier closers, and just hope one of them hits because then you'll be fine there. Um, and then from like a hitting strategy, as you know, I do between the seams with Marty and Mac brought to you by the Triple Play Fantasy Network. Hey, there's the plug. There it is, guys. Um, weekly, by the way, and we're still doing it. Anyway, so... My goal is just like, you know, I tried to follow the actual hitters that I, um, you know, I did the research for and I tried to follow that and I did a lot better on the hitting side of it. Um, I, and I think just overall, you know, for next year moving forward, I'm going to have a, a better, like you can pick up a, probably a hitter a week. I want to, or maybe every two weeks just to get a hot bat in there and keep filling that person out. So I want to use, um, one of my slots for that. Um, but yeah, that was it. It was mostly trying to keep up with, um, closers, which I failed miserably at, and then trying to pick up like the hot bad of the week. So Marty, let me ask you a question. And, and this was actually, I was going to save it for our next one, but we saw during the trade deadline that, you know, people like Craig Kimbrell got moved. Are you going to try to be more aggressive post trade deadline? We see Tyler Clippert picking up some saves. Ian Kennedy got traded. So the Rangers had an open bullpen situation. Do you think that you might keep that same strategy, but just be different with the timing? Yeah, what I think would be important is once you're in that four, you know, just a couple weeks before the trade deadline, just really understand the market of the players and who can possibly get dealt and who's more than likely to and speculate, you know, pick up two of them, you know, from teams that you expect to get rid of their closer. And I think that would put you in a pretty good spot. And if you can do it the week or two before, it's going to save you a lot of money. Yeah. And, and that's what the experts do. I know that. Uh, Casey Bubba did that in my league, looking ahead to see which pitchers have two start matchups, which ones have favorable. Um, so that way, you know, you're really ahead of the curve. And especially you don't have to spend as much fab unless you have other people that are as proactive. Jordan, what about you? I, I know that, uh, you know, being the first year, having that thousand dollar budget, especially being in high school, even if it's play money, that's a lot of money. How'd you go about it? So. Especially for a high schooler, I guess. I was <laughs> pretty responsible with my money, I think. I did a bunch Better of like us. 10 to like $20 bids. Um, and the, I, like, it, my draft was terrible. I am completely at peace with that. But I kind of did an amazing job with Fab, I think. Um, so I did $10 bids here and there, uh, usually like. I had a huge list of just every uh, person that I wanted and I thought about all the claims. Like, what if I get this person? Then do I want that person? So I used all of, uh, NFC's like features there and that was really fun for me. Um, and I looked at schedules for starters and just like who's got a good schedule that people might not seem coming. Like, I mean, it's an expertly guy that like I feel good about already and then they also have a good schedule so I put a few extra dollars on them um but basically what my fab strategy was is those small bids nothing too significant like probably nothing over $50 
until after Alec Manoa's first start. And then I really, really splurged. Uh, I think I, I had you guys on the podcast, right? When that fab period, the Alec Manoa fab period was going on. And we were like, are we going to spend $400 on him? And I came out of that episode feeling really good about Manoa. Then 378 and I got him. And I actually have no regrets. I, I liked how it worked out. Um, and I've just been getting to spend my 20-ish dollars a week since then. Usually less. But um, if there's a player that I want for 20, 30, 40, I can usually grab him. Um, some of the players that I did and it's a pretty decent list. In week two, I got Michael A. Taylor, who doesn't really sound like that great of an addition, but he's been starting in my lineup. He's streaky. He's streaky. Yeah. Nats fan, he's streaky. Yeah. He he had 11 homers and 12 steals with a 240 average. Like, that's not great, but I mean, it, he was like my fifth outfielder the whole year. In that same week, right before the no-hitter, I picked up Carlos Rodriguez, and he's been my ace the whole season. So wow. My draft was terrible. My draft was terrible, but I got Carlos Rodon. That was huge. No, that, that, that's great to hear. And, you know, I, I will say I think my later picks in my fab really helped me. I was able to pick up Kyle Gibson, uh, Mike Zunino when Travis D'Arnold went down. Um, I was able to get Jonathan India. Now, I will say I learned some tough lessons. I got very lucky. I didn't spend money early because I said, you know, none of the players on my team are injured. Let me give them a shot. Obviously didn't give Adam Wainwright a long enough chance, <laughs> but I then felt the need to overspend. So like when Cattell Marte went down, I spent like $110 on Tim LaCastro. And I wasn't even a Tim LaCastro fan. I just felt like, okay, well, other people have spent money. I need to spend money as well. Yep. And that really plagued oh, me later in the season. Like and, and I'm going to give another shout out to Bubba, but this time in the wrong sense. He cut Razio Iglesias. And mm. it was very interesting because I heard that sometimes people will do this as a strategy. And I don't know if this was his intent or not, where they cut, they will cut someone like that, knowing that somebody will spend a good amount of their fab money on them. And I think next year, having, you know, kind of like that Alec Manoa splurge, but saving it for a proven veteran, maybe somebody that, you know, is getting decimated by injuries and they just can't afford to keep someone or maybe they're stacked in one position and they're lacking steals and they say, you know, I'll cut saves, I'll cut power because I need another category and really just saving up and spending that. Um, and I think the most important thing with Fab is just being active. You know, the as you had mentioned, the Jeff Zimmerman article, Vlad, you know, there's a couple people in my league and you guys probably have the same. I know Cheesecake and David um, do as well. Some people don't, spend it all like they haven't checked their teams and instead of competing with 14 other guys you're maybe competing with 10 or 11 others and so, that's what i was actually going to say um that was going to be um two points one of them is you have to like fit it into your lifestyle like you know and if you only give yourself 15 minutes on sunday right before it closes you're probably not going to do that well right and so i think that if you chip away at it maybe spend 20 minutes you know on Saturday, half hour on Sunday, or whatever you have to do. But, um, you know, for the novice players that maybe haven't done fab yet, it's really cool and I actually like it. And I want to keep it and actually institute it in more of my leagues. But you have to realize it's a lot more dedication than just clicking. There's so much strategy, you know, the, and the waivers, you know, it's, they're just not there. 
And overall, from my budget, what I learned from one of from I think it was a Jeff Zimmerman article. If you plan on having a guy on your team the rest of the season, then that's when you spend more than thirty dollars on him. If you just want him for a week or two, spend less than thirty, and that's pretty much what Jordan did just on his own. I think uh, I'm going to have to give him our, our uh, family budget, see if he can work some stuff out. I, I, I know Jordan. You're the youngest <laughs> out of us. You're in high school, and you're frugal, and you're smart with your money. And yeah. Marty and I, the quote unquote adults, yeah, we just throw it around like it's nothing. Tim, He's the Tim kid Tim that Lo- runs Monopoly, you know. Yeah, Tim Castro got a nice payday for me. He didn't even do anything to deserve it. It's tell Marty getting hurt. Marty, I want to talk with you. I think behind Alec Manoa, my biggest bid was Kyle Finnegan for 43. I just oh, like, was not you smart about it. Yeah. yeah, you are smart about it. Marty, I want to finish out with you on our final thing. And and we've kind of, you know, dabbled on this for the show. What would be your lesson learned that you would tell somebody in their first year of TGFBI next year? And what is your goal? Is it a certain place that you finish? Is it just feeling more confident, doing more research? Yeah, good question. So, um, so the lessons learned, there's a whole bunch. And I think even over the next month, uh, we'll even have a, a better idea, you know, and we'll learn a lot more. But overall, from a drafting standpoint, more starting pitchers and relievers on the back end. I find my, I found myself not needing, you know, three or four hitters on my bench. It was useless. And then I end up trying to flip them anyway, you know, to a pitcher. So, and Will Garofalo actually said this to me once we were done with our drafts. It was funny. He goes, did you mean the only draft, however many pitches I did? And I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. And I looked back. I was like, oh, I guess I didn't do that. So um, on the back end, I would spend a lot more um, time on, uh, you know, the Adam Wainwrights of the world that could just, you know, possibly change everything. Because starting pitching is getting harder and harder. Um, and then for, yeah, so, yeah, then the closers. And then with the hitters, I was a little bit too conservative. As I, like, look through, you know, I got the Anthony Rizzo's of the world, you know. and so. The Maybe steady just, Eddies. Yeah, which is fine. You know, Jose Altuve kind of worked out in that way. He was discounted, and I got him, you know, I think in the ninth round. You know, great but, uh, yeah, there, there was, I didn't have any guys that were going to, like, a big splash. My biggest splash was Louis, uh, Luis Robert in the third. That didn't work out too well. I ended up dropping him, and guess who got him? Tanner picked him up. So, and now he's using them against me. So, um, the, and then, so the biggest thing would be to double up more on pitchers at the back end. And then honestly, just to do, be better at fab. I think it's something that it's an evolving thing. Um, but it's something that, uh, you're definitely going to pay a lot more attention to and try to get better with. Now, that's great to hear. Do you have a certain place that you'd like to finish within next year? Top 100, top 50? Yeah. So for an overall goal, number one is just connecting with this community and that's the best thing about tgfbi you know i have so many group chats and you know on twitter with people and people i don't even know you know like we're like instagram friends you know and we're like hey man did you see this you know so number one just learning more about the community keep growing keep working you know at getting better at fantasy but from like an overall standpoint i want to be number one next year man oh that's yeah yeah if you, ain't fir- if you ain't first you last <laughs> jordan what about you what are some lessons that you've learned and you know, kind of what is your goal for next year? Yeah, so, of course, I'm not doing this full-time. I'm taking, I'm in high school and taking hard courses. Um, so, Oh, like, man, I, I'm, I'm so glad I'm done with school. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, It feels close already, and I'm only in my senior year. But um, anyways, it, it's sometimes hard to get things done on time. Like, I still, once we hang up on this call, I'm, gonna spend a lot of time on my fantasy football rankings before they're due tonight 
Um, my goal for fantasy baseball is to have my rankings or at least pre- preliminary rankings done before TGFBI. Cause going through those, going through the draft without rankings, I think really messed me up. Um, even if it didn't lead to like different decisions, I just spent an unhealthy amount of time, uh, pivoting on different players. Like every pick took me so long to just like, click that button. It wasn't because I was unaware it was my pick. I knew exactly when my pick was when it was coming up. It just yeah, getting so used to slow to... drafts, I think, is something we can all get yeah. better it's at. It's the first slow draft I've ever done. Yeah, no, yeah, I was like, yeah, exactly. So, Yeah, so getting my rankings done, um, and I think that would help me in the draft, or at least give me like a more pleasant process, because that was kind of rough. Also doing mock drafts before it, I don't draft in early March. Like, why would I do any mock drafts? But I just didn't really do much preparation for TGFBI. And I definitely regret that because, I mean, I had my strategy, but I didn't really test it as much as I probably should have with the 15 team Roto League. It's a whole different beast. Yeah. And I think great point. I mean, Jordan, you know, I, I don't know what place you're in right now. Do you have a goal next year of where you'd like to finish? Yeah, my place right now, we don't have to talk about it. It's really well, bad. We won't. We won't. <laughs> um, but it, it's like I was outside of the 400, uh, top 400 when Luis Castillo was doing <laughs> my way up. Yeah, it, it was that was so. But right when I benched him, he had like two more bad starts and then he pulled it around. So I'm yeah, thankful and- for that at least. And I was going to say, um, you know, if, if anything, you take a lesson from that, hold on to him. You know, just mm-hmm. if you're thinking about cutting bait with someone next year that you spend an early pick on and look, he can't trade in these leagues, you know, even though it kills your ratio, stick him on your bench and, and, you know, ride out the tough period. I think for me, the number one thing that I'm learning is get your guy. And I think so, you know, there's so many people that are smarter than me out there. You know, the Justin Masons, the Dave McDonald's, the Vlad, Settlers, Jeff Zimmerman's, all of that. Doesn't mean they're going to be right about every single call. And I think about my taking Zach Plesak over Zach Wheeler because Dave McDonald was a huge Zach Plesak fan. And <laughs> throw Dave under the bus. <laughs> uh, no, no. But look, look, I, I mean, I, I preface it by saying he's smarter than me. No, I know. I know. And, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, but it kind of played like subconsciously into my decision because yeah. I'm thinking like, if he knows more than I do and he sees more in Zach Plesak than I do, I don't see anyone beating the Zach Wheeler drum. Zach Wheeler was just kind of a gut feeling and it's something I should have gone with. So I think that's the number one thing is to get your guy. Um, I didn't mention this, but I got Chris Battison in the 11th round. I got Chris Bassett in every draft this year because he's just somebody I think has been under the radar. Um, I, I think the second thing too is to kind of know the tendency of the, of the draft. If it's going very pitcher heavy, in a 15-team league, you can't afford to wait. And I know for some people in football, they talk about, you know, if they zig, you can zag. Well, in a 15-team, 30-person league, or 30-round, 15-person league, it doesn't work like that. So you have to follow the trends as well. If closers are going early, you might have to reach for one. And I think the last yeah. thing that I've learned is just about fab. with, And we had talked about with closers, if you're chasing saves, Monitor that trade deadline. If there's somebody that's getting a lot more playing time, you know, 
batting at or plate appearances are king in this industry. You know, it's, it's obviously it may, um, you know, lower the batting average on base percentage, but you have a greater chance for steals, for powers, for RBIs. Um, look, you know, this is our first year. We're not going to be perfect. I'm proud to say that I'm 82 right now and at my highest, I was at 25, but I expect to be better next year if I could finish in the top 50. You know, we, we said between us at Triple Play, one of us needed to finish in the top 100. And I'm beating David and Art, who write for fan tracks and take this more seriously than I do. So here we go. I, nice. I'm taking pride in the fact that at least I'm the number one in this group. And then I beat you, Marty, because you're part of Triple Play. Hey, we've got another month left, man. Oh, that's Not true. That's true. Well, I, I want to set my goal as well. I, so right now, I've actually moved up a lot. Like at the beginning of the season, I was in 400s. Now I was sitting at 350 for a while. Now I'm close to 300. So I'm definitely moving up. Getting that um, top half next year. Getting that top 225. Yeah, I, I think my goal next year, because I really, looking back on this today, I think that like my draft, if I had just taken different players at the same positions, it would have been such a nice draft. Um, so I, I think top 100 is pretty realistic. Like I did a good job, I think. Um, I'm pretty proud of that. I think 100's something I can accomplish next year. Yeah. And, and look, you know, we're all smart minds in the industry. You know, we're all different ages, but I think the number one thing about being the, the first thing to being successful is having the passion and making sure that you're staying active. Like Marty said, not just waiting at 945 to do your bids, but to make sure that you're putting in the time and effort. Great job, gentlemen. Um, you know, we will be on this pod a year from now, maybe talking about how we did with year two. We're going to go to the fun part of the show. We're going to start with our question of the week. I don't have a soundboard, so I can't do anything fun like David does. But our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Pay attention to that ticker at the bottom. Use code Triple Play for a 100% deposit match up to $100. We've been grinding. Kevin Coleman has been killing it with his college picks. Brad and Sean Green have picks out for tonight's game. Brad and I are going to have picks for Sunday's game. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Hopefully we can win you some money. So our question of the week is, which player besides Otani could be the best at the other side of the ball? So Jordan, I'm going to start with you. All right. My answer here, and I thought about this a decent bit throughout the week, just as like, I'm bored. I need something to think about. I thought about this question. Um, I'm glad you put time into it. Glad you didn't think of it on the spot. My final answer, uh, I've got Cabrian Hayes. Okay, he, seems like, he seems like he would be a good pitcher. I don't know why. He's only 5'10". Like, it's definitely not realistic, but he's really lanky. I thought he was taller before I looked it up just now, to be fair. Uh, but I could see it. He just kind of has the feel of a pitcher. Um, and it's really random since he's been really bad this season. but. I could see he just kind of feels right. I'm interested to hear who you guys have there. All right. Well, Marty, hopefully hopefully you didn't take my guy. Who are you going with? I'm going to go with Lance Lynn, baby, because earlier this year, he ripped the single and got a, got a run scored. It was absolutely amazing. And <laughs> I feel like with that body, he is designed to hit bombs all day. He might bat 195, but I felt like, you know, if he just, you know, he focused in all of his, uh, his fastball craziness and he just put that into hitting, he could do it. He's the man. 
know what? That's not a bad answer because you and I are on the same page. Like I, I, Lance Lynn, I, I don't think is on any social medias, but I think our dream is just that he acknowledges us one day. I mean, I Lance Lynn know. could, <laughs> Lance Lynn could literally chug a beer and be like 10 beers deep, say I'm sober, go out yep. and crank an, a home run with the opposite, you know, batting lefty. For me, it's Jacob deGrom. And he started this year batting 12 of 31. So he had 414 for this, his first 31 plate appearances. Now, obviously, he probably won't play again this year, but he finished with a 364, 394, 758 triple slash. He had six RBIs. He has three home runs for his career. So for, for his career, these are his stats in eight years. 204 batting average. Three homers, 29 RBIs, a stolen base, 17 walks. So I think about how many pitchers can hit the Taiwan walkers that literally just go up there and take pitches and, you know, will walk back to the dugout. I mean, if Jacob deGrom is having one of the best seasons pitching of all time with, excuse me, I think he, he's pitching with a 108 ERA. Imagine his hitting stats if he put as much time into into that craft. That's and I true. wonder he, how many he spent. Oh, go ahead. That would be if he spent time on it. He could be like actually really good. Yeah, he's something. And I'm else. wondering how many um like how many base on balls he's earned himself compared to how many he's given away. I yeah, wonder so, what that percentage is. So so there was a stat this year. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember, and you know, obviously it's not going to sound good since I don't have it officially that. He had walked more last year four times than he did in like his first ten outings, or it was something ridiculous yeah. like that. Um, and it's going to be one—it's one of the biggest shames of all time that he wasn't able to finish this year out. I know, you know, I, know. I had him in a few leagues, and I mean, it—it's bigger than that, you know, to be able to see what he was doing, and you know, he needs to go off the Mets, man. I'll just say, yeah, it, dude. yeah, it just happens there, man. Exactly, it's just like the Lions and football. It is what it is, man. I love Detroit. I'm live in Detroit. It is what it is. You don't come to the Lions to win. You don't go to the Mets to win. Yeah, no, that's very true. And and I think fingers crossed for whatever team Jacob DeGrom is on next year that he's just healthy because baseball's better when he's in it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good talk, gentlemen. Yeah. We're, we're going to go to the last part of the show, and it's the question of the week. Or, I'm sorry, the game of the week. So, I played this a couple weeks really ago. Quickly, with I have, I have one word to say about Jacob Degrom. Uh, since his like real breakout in 2018, he has a 5.3 percent walk rate um, pitching, and let me see, batting in his career, he has a 4.0. Oh my god. So oh my god. that's a 1.3 point difference. There it that's is. Just crazy. It, it sounds like a video game stat, but that's just, I mean, just shows how dominant Jacob DeGrom is. Going back to our game of the week, and we played this a couple weeks ago with David and Micah from Fantasy Central. David said it was a bad game, and that's just because David sucks. <laughs> so what I have is for each team, have the last person that finished either within the top five in Cy Young voting or the top five in 
AL or in MVP voting. So, for example, I'm not going to use this one. But if I said, give me the last Seattle Mariner to finish top five in the MVP voting, the answer was Robinson Cano. And in 2014, you don't have to give me the year. You just have to give me the player. So I'm going to give you the category and the team. You're going to buzz in with your name. If you get it right, you get a point. If not, the other person has a chance to guess. We're going to do whoever gets three points first. Any questions? Okay, let's go. All right. All right. Tell me the last pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays to finish in the top five of Cy Young voting. Marty. Marty. R.A. Dickey. Incorrect. Jordan. Uh, I'll just take a guess. Marcus Stroman. Uh, Both of you. Incorrect. It was Hyunjin Ryu Uh, last year. He actually finished number three. He was good Uh, last year. He was good last year. All right. Give me the last Oakland Athletics player to finish in the top five of MVP voting. Jordan. Jordan. Marcus Simeon. That's correct. Marcus Simeon in 2019. Good job. So we got Jordan with one, Marty with zero. Okay. Give me the last Kansas City Royal to finish top five in the MVP voting. Marty. Marty. Zach Greinke. Incorrect. Jordan. Um, Mike Moustakis. Incorrect. Low Kane. Mm, 2015. Okay. All right. Give me the last Baltimore Oriole to finish in the top five the LMVP voting. Marty. Jordan. Marty. Um, oh, what's the, the, why can't I remember his name? He has, oh, Chris Davis. Chris Davis is incorrect. Jordan, we're going to you. Adam Jones. That is also incorrect. It was Manny Machado, wasn't it? It was Manny oh, Machado. Damn it. I knew, uh, you oh, know what? Maybe, maybe this, maybe this game does suck. I thought this would be a little bit easier, but I like you the game. So many options. It's not guys, the game's you guys, fault. You guys, you guys are doing better than David was, so I can say that. All right, the next one. Give me the last Texas Rangers pitcher. To finish top five in the Cy Young voting. Jordan. Jordan. Lance Lynn? That's correct. Marty, I was I trying to give you a, I, was try, I was trying to give you a gimme on that. <laughs> I was like, it, the, he was the first guy that popped in my head, but I was like, no, he wouldn't make it that easy. Couldn't I was trying to tie it one to one. Alright, Jordan. You get one more and the game is over. Alright. Give me the last pitcher for the Los Angeles Angels to finish in the top five of Cy Young voting? Marty. Marty. Jared Weaver. Jared Weaver! There we go. That's a throwback name right there. Who's top five? Jared Weaver in 2012. So we got Marty on the board with one, Jordan with two. The next one. Give me the last Minnesota Twins hitter to finish in the top five of MVP voting. Marty. Marty. Nelson Cruz. Incorrect. Jordan, for the win. I feel like I should know this. It's going to be someone that is like Brian Dozer. Incorrect. Joe Maurer. Got to go back to 2009. All right. I would not have gotten that. (laughs) Give me the last hitter for the Yankees to finish in the top five of MVP voting. 
I'll go. I'll go. Aaron Judge. Incorrect, Marty. Wow. It's not Stanton. Um, I'll go Stanton. I don't know. Incorrect. John Carlos Stanton can't stay healthy. I would never give him credit. I would never give him credit on this podcast. It's DJ LeMay. Who is it? Oh, he's who finished top. Boy. Who finished in the top uh, five last season? Yeah. They'll let you know right. how many Yankees games I watch. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. All right. We still have two to one. This is going to be an hour and a half podcast by the time we're done. I like this. I know. I know. I feel like we're, <laughs> that's why I did three. Last time I did five and I had to cut it down. Give me the last pitcher for the Oakland A's to finish in the top five of Cy Young voting. Marty. Jordan. Marty. Barry Zito. Incorrect. Jordan. Frankie Montas. Incorrect. Sonny Gray, 2015. Uh, yeah, Frankie Montas was like a half season. Yeah, yeah. And then he got busted. All right. Give me the last Pittsburgh Pirate pitcher to finish top five in the Cy Young voting. Marty. Marty. Is it Garrett Cole? It is Garrett Cole. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Back in 2015, probably his only good year with the Pirates. All right. So we got a 2-2 game. This is what I wanted. Let me see which one I want to go to next. All <laughs> right. Give me the last... Philadelphia Phillies hitter to finish top five in the MVP voting. Marty. Marty. Ryan Howard. Ryan Howard for the win ah. back in 2009. <laughs> came, back, came back from a deficit. Marty, I don't have the, the applause on there. I'm going to clap for you. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. I will go. I to thought you about first. saying Ryan Howard, and then I was thinking, I, you know, I thought somebody was going to say. I had uh, the subway commercial in my head, dude. I was ready, man. So, Marty, let me go to you first. First of all, congrats on the victory. I don't know if this is the first one you have on the pod. Um, I think it's the first time. All right. Well, here we go. Since we already bro- brought up virginity once, you broke the virginity of triple play, lack of wins. So, really? Marty. First, let me give you your FaceTime 30 seconds. Tell the audience where they can find you, any stuff you're working on, anything that um, projects. Yeah. So, um, well, first, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure to, you know, to sit down with you guys, talk about baseball. You can find me on Twitter at Marty underscore Tallman, as you see here in front of me. I uh, do the uh, Between the Scenes. Um, it's basically a YouTube video for YouTube uh, for Triple Play, where we go through six hitters and pitchers each week. That will help provide you the boost that you need. So watch it. It will help you out with Fab. It will help you out in your 10, 12 team leagues, all of it. And you can find that here at Triple Play Fantasy. I just got to give him a quick shout out. You know, look, I, I, I had David's wedding. I do stuff. Rain, shine, holiday, regular day, morning, night. Marty and Mac do between the scenes. I mean, this man got up at five in the morning to record with Christian. <laughs> so if that isn't dedication, I don't know what is. Jordan, I also want to thank you for coming on. Can you tell the audience where they can find you, some of the stuff you're working on? Yeah, sure. Um, you can follow me at FOV Sports on basically any social media. Um, I definitely spend the most time on Instagram. I put out two posts per week, fantasy baseball, fantasy football. If you're watching on video, here there it, it is. is. Make sure, yeah, I FOV think. underscore sports. Yep. And uh, I definitely spend a lot of time making the graphics so that they're aesthetically pleasing, but also like good quality things that I actually think about and like work on on spreadsheets. Um, 
And you can find my podcast, Field Division Sports, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, just once a week, I have some sort of expert on. I think next week I have Derek Cardi of ESPN. Oh, that's then, good. That's um, nice. Jen Piacenti uh, in two weeks. She was supposed to come uh, on today, but obviously football oh, coming on. Jen's great. Yeah. So it just people like that, Triple Play guys have been on once. Uh, just various experts come on every week. And we just talk about whatever's relevant at that time. Um, so yeah, Instagram and the podcast, those are the things I spend the most time on. And as the season's dwindling down and we come into football season for you baseball fans that are listening, enjoy the next few weeks. It's going to be a long off season. Actually, what am I saying? We got playoffs after that. I want to give a special shout out to the Triple Play Baseball Show. David and Art aren't here right now. This is our 99th episode. And we're going to have a very special thing coming for our 100th. Um, for our listeners, Art, a.k.a. Little Cheesecake, is going to come back for it. Um, it's something we're really looking forward to. We don't want to give away too much. But um, just the fact that we've had the support we've had through the past year and a half getting through the pandemic, we're really excited to hit this milestone. So for everybody listening, make sure you enjoy another week of baseball. After listening to this, you better get on your fab before 945 on Sunday. And to steal David's quote, we're going to make like a bread truck and all these bumps. Catch you guys next week. Bye.